Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Want your most burning finance and investing questions answered? Here's a podcast you should be listening to, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Are you ready for some personality in your personal finances? Hi, I'm Janice Torres Rodriguez, Latina money expert and host of the award-winning podcast, Yo Quiero Dinero. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're not talking about avocado toast and lattes on this show. We've got real, relatable personal finance knowledge that makes you feel seen, heard, and finally understood. Consider me your super cool, slightly risque, but always honest financial fairy godmother. Together, we'll tackle dinero in a fresh new way so you can finally become poderosa with your dinero. Check out our weekly podcast episodes at YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey, it's Ryan from The Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. Well, hello, my friends. I am back. Hopefully you had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday or holiday, however you celebrated, at least for those in the U.S. I know we have listeners all around the world. So those in the North American hemisphere, is that a thing? I'm not sure. I hope you had a good turkey day. Hope you had some time off to refresh and refuel. Hopefully you're feeling energized and ready to make great art and put your art out into the world, whatever that art may be. And today I have another uh, fantastic interview with Troy Lambert, uh, who is with Plotter, uh, which is a software that helps you outline your books. And it's actually a software that I use and I love. And so if you're a writer, you're a publisher, and you're looking to outline your work and needing a tool to do that, whether you're a heavy outliner or whether you don't even use outlines, Plotter is the tool for you. And so we're going to talk about Plotter, the software, the amazing software that has helped him, Troy, write 
25, 30 novels and, uh, and many other thousands of people use this software all the time. And I think you're going to love our conversation because we get into the, the weeds of not just how to plot or how to outline a novel, but why we write and, and what that looks like in his process and, and all those good things. And so I think you're going to love this conversation. And I think there's just so many tools out there uh, to use and to make our creative process that much better. And so I love when I find software and tech that helps us do that, but not get in the way of our creation. Because some, sometimes our software or, or tech is just a, an excuse to not do the work. Uh, but Plotter is designed to not get in the way of that and not to get in the way of your creativity, but to get you moving in the right direction. So I think you're going to love our conversation uh, today. So Troy Lambert, Plotter Software, let me get right to it. Here's our conversation. Well, Troy, it's good to have you on the show, and uh, it's kind of fun to have you on the show because I am a new Plotter uh, customer, and so I'm just starting to get used to it. And so really, this is just a sneaky way of me learning how to actually use it. So, um, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Glad to be here and glad to show you the ropes. Well, I've heard really good things about it, and I was like, well, hey, I need to try it for myself. So um so if, if you guys don't know, Troy is one of the educators for Plotter, which is a software, it's an outlining software. And so I know we have a lot of writers and creative people and uh, people publishing and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And the the big debate over outlining versus pantsing or organic or discovery, but this is a really cool tool to kind of help you get your ideas on, on the page, uh, if you will. So uh, before we get into kind of what you're up to as far as the software, well, Troy, tell us a little bit about yourself because you, you've you written a lot of books and uh, you're doing all kinds of stuff, editing and writing and publishing. And uh, yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Oh, so yeah. So I have I'm, uh, been writing full-time since 2009. Um, if I'm successful with Nano, which may be in question at this particular point, um, then I'll be over 30 books um, written that I intend to publish. I've written other books that you will never see. I often talk to them about nanobombs and things like that. There's other stuff I've written that just stayed in draft form and went in the garbage where it belonged. But those were words I needed to write to get experience. But um, And uh, so I, I'm an editor. I'm a freelance writer. Uh, I've been using Plotter since 2017, which is before most people knew about it. It was kind of a tiny little software that the creator created for his own writing. So he decided to sell, and I went, I need that in my life. Um, and so I bought it and uh, I've been using it ever since. It's it's actually just a super cool tool. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm writing, doing freelance writing, editing. I'm not doing as much freelance writing as I once did because I'm supporting myself more with fiction and other things. And so I don't have to. And so I get to do the things I love every day. It's fantastic. Well, that's great uh, because I, I think it's, there's always something too, when you're actually doing that kind of work and you're kind of going, okay, how do I get better at this? How do I, you know, when you find a tool that just kind of fits, especially when you're writing a lot of books, you know, you've written 30 novels, it's um, the outlining process or just getting ideas down is, can be kind of daunting or how do I keep it, you know, in line? How do I keep it organized? Um, so I love the the kind of visual nature of people check it out. We'll have all the information in the show notes, but check out the uh the actual visual visual part of it i think is really helpful because i think we're trying to figure out what where 
you know, ideas go and chapters and characters, I think we get kind of overwhelmed and then we kind of um, quit. And so, um, so all of that to say, um, you mentioned NaNoWriMo a couple of times. And one of my biggest hurdles, the first time I did it about 10 years ago was I didn't outline my book and I just thought I'll just go for it. See how it goes. I got about 20,000 words in and just kind of petered out because I think I just got, I didn't know where, who my characters were. I didn't know what the next idea was. And so just kind of quit. Uh, so let's kind of dig into that a little bit. So just as you understand it, like what is kind of the, the hope for the software? Like what, who's it for? Uh, what's it trying to help us do? Um, whether you've written a novel or written a book or not, uh, talk us through that a little bit. So what I would say is, you know, we often the name plotter, people that are like discovery writers that write into the dark, they're like, I don't even like that name, right? Let alone explore the software. But really what it's for is to help you organize your writing. Because my argument is always that you plot at some time or another. You either plot in the first draft and then you write to that plot, or you plot in a revision later on to figure out what this is that you that you created. Um, one of my first nanos, I wrote 50,000 words, but I had, by the time I got done with it, I still didn't know what the book was about. Like, it was just a horrible mess of, like, scenes and events that I put together, but there was no structure, no, no, nothing to do with it. Um, so to revise that would have been an extremely arduous process. Um, but I originally was a discovery writer. I mean, I just would sit down, start writing with an idea and see what happened. Um, but I discovered if I wanted to write faster, then at least some level of planning was helpful. Um, but there are still people that don't do that. So the hope of the software is kind of to appeal to all different types of writers. And there are specific ways that people or discovery writers use it. And then there's different levels of how people plot. You know, I say there's there's everything from the, the tentpole plotter who just has a few events that they know are going to happen in their book. And they write to those events. And they're almost discovery writing between them. Or there's the architect that's like James Patterson writes a 20-page single-spaced outline, puts it on plotter in some kind of architectural building structure, and then writes to that structure and, and sticks with that structure through the whole book, which I admire the heck out of those people, not me. Um, but, you know, um, so there's different levels of plotting as well. And so the, the whole idea of the software is to be a writing tool. Is to enable you to organize your ideas so you can write faster, write better first drafts, you know, write better second drafts, whatever it is that you need from the software. But it's really just a, a way to visually organize your ideas to make you a better writer. It's a writer's tool. So the the beautiful plot diagram is not the end goal. The end goal is your draft. You have something written. Well, I love what you're saying because I think um, hopefully if people are listening uh, closely is – you're not saying you have to be James Patterson and write, you know, 20,000 word outlines. Cause I think when I first was starting, you'd hear people go, Oh, I, you know, outlined to the T and I just thought, man, that's just like really boring. And how do you do that? And that doesn't sound like very fun. It sounds like the book's already done, but you're also saying you don't also really, nobody's a purely, you know, discovery writer. I mean, there has to be a point, even in your editing, your revising where you're going, what is, is there a book here? Where, where are things going? Who are the characters? What needs to happen next? And so I think people realize like nobody's a, a purely just, I just go and then whatever comes out, comes out. <clears throat> there has to be some kind of organization at some point. And then you have to kind of decide who you are. You know, you can use it as the Jane Patterson or you can use it as, you know, someone who just needs a few ideas to kind of get going. 
Um, which that actually for me really sold me on it because I think part of writing the creativity part, whether you're doing this full-time or not is some of the joy of it, right. To just see where it goes and you want some room to play. You want to have some fun, right. You don't want it to be so rigid that you can never change a character. You can never change the scene. You can never, you know, um, or we end up just outlining for, you know, years and never write anything. Um, and that's some of the, the big, big challenges. So, um, so let's go back to you. Let's go back to, you know, early, the early days of Troy. And, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about just like me, you know, tons of manuscripts that are, you know, dead on the hard drive that will never see the light of day. Cause we wouldn't want to put that on the world. Um, but you know, but as you were kind of going through your first, you know, books, um, describe kind of why it wasn't a book, you know, why, why was it not, you know, just things happening, but, but how did plotter or how did at least kind of outlining it help you kind of get some shape to it? Like, what were you kind of looking for, thinking about, you know, as you kind of put things together? So I, I, I kind of use the analogy like this is the first story structure that you use is the most basic one, which is essentially a story has to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, but it also needs interesting people in interesting places doing interesting things. And I think the number one obstacle of new writers and one of my number one obstacles I felt like I had to tell the reader everything I couldn't leave things to their imagination so I put in all this boring stuff that's like um you don't have to say well he picked up his phone he entered his passcode he dialed the number you can say he took a call or made a call right um but as new writers we tend to over describe and overwrite those things and what that what happens then is the reader and including us as writers, we don't know what's important. Like when I describe something thoroughly, well, there's a reason. That's the gun on the mantle that's going to be used for something. Um, and when you describe everything in detail, we as readers have no idea what's important. We have no idea what isn't important. And so we tend to just start skipping things. And I think that was one of the obstacles and that I didn't have always a clear direction. So the book, would, the story would end and I was like, what was the point of that story? And there wasn't always a theme or a premise that I could point to and say, that's what that story was about. It was just a series of interesting events I wanted to write about. But I'm like, without a point, then why did you, why would the reader care? And why, why did you write it in the first place? So I wasn't real cognizant. I, I knew how to tell a story, but I didn't know how to tell a story that a reader would want to read. So. No, that's really good. Cause I, I think we always think, oh, if there's people in a room just talking or, you know, doing normal things, that's interesting. But <clears throat> the reality is you need some conflict, you need some tension, you need some mystery, you need some, you know, the characters need, you know, desire something. There has to be something they're getting after because then again, you just have people in a room just talking about their day and you're like, okay, so, you know, it's like, why do we watch movies? Why do we watch TV? Why do we watch anything? There's conflict. There's, there's a mystery. There's something that they need. There's something they they're, you know, what's the, you know, the famous, you know, story trope of the, you know, hero on a journey, you know, there's some kind of journey element. There's something that, that they got to get after. There's something they have to solve. There's something that's broken in them. They need fixing, you know, uh, whatever it is. And I think that's really helpful because I think in the outlining process, sometimes you can, when you're not seeing enough of that, then you can kind of go back and go, you know what, right here, there needs to, I need to ramp up some conflict. I need to, or I need to clarify, what is it I'm really, what is this book about? Like, is it, is there anything here? Or is it, like you said, it's just people just 
talking about life and their phones and, you know, and you're going, yeah, there's really not a book here. It's just people milling around talking, yeah. you know, <laughs> not interesting at all. Um, no, I love that. Cause I, I think you're describing, I mean, my pain and still my pain. I think when I, you know, edit my own stuff and edit other people's stuff, it's, it's, you're going like, yeah, there's just nothing here. There's nothing interesting here. Um, ramp up the conflict, ramp, ramp, ramp up the tension, you know? Um, so, um, so Troy, so as you're, you know, you're learning as a writer yourself, and obviously you discovered plotter as a, a good tool for that. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, you kind of started as a discovery writer and then kind of evolved into more of a, um, you know, outliner, um, if you want to call it that. I don't know what the fancy word would be for an outliner, but, you know, um, putting some ideas down, you know. Um, now, talk us through your process in particular, um, because plotter is very robust and it can handle any kind of writer, I think. Um, and you know, are you, how much are you putting down when you start? I mean, are you thinking about all the characters? Are you thinking about every chapter, every movement? Like what, where's, where's kind of your outlining world? Like kind of, where do you begin before you, you actually start putting words on the page? So I'm kind of in the middle. Most of the stuff I write is mysteries. Sometimes I write some other stuff under pen names or various different things, right? But most of what I write is mysteries. And so I know there's certain elements I need to know when I start. I need to know who the bad guy was and, you know, what they did and how they did it. Um, I need to know who the victim was. Then I need to know how that person gets caught. So I need to know the detective and stuff like that. But sometimes I don't know, like, more minor characters or, or clues or things like that. And then the way I construct my plotter, my plot lines in plotter is that they're essentially each one of them is a scene, each scene card or for each. I tend to write in scenes rather than beats or chapters. And each scene card is a writing prompt for that day for that section. So generally there's a title and a few sentences underneath. And that's that's my that's my outline. So it's not a super in-depth outline but it's not just a tentpole outline either it's kind of in the middle um and then my process with plotter is as i'm going i go back into plotter and i summarize what i actually wrote that day hmm. so i have one plot line that this is my plan right this is my planned outline this is what i totally intend to write but as we writers know what you intend to write what you sit down to write are often two different things because you you learn about your characters they do hmm. different things they go different direction so I write one plot line that is basically I summarize what I've actually written that day. And then at the end of when I've written the entire book, I go back and compare those two and figure out and I kind of go, OK, how did I do? And I usually put that against some kind of a plot structure. Um, one of the plot structure templates is available in Plotter. And I go, OK, how did I do? Like, did I hit all the plot beats? Did I add extra scenes here that? those are for me right they're not for the reader they're for me they're me figuring out the story so i can chuck those before i even start the revision process um and it just for me that speeds up my process a lot a lot i mean it makes me a lot faster so well, it sounds like you know when if people listen to this how, how they can kind of hear you say like you don't have to have it all, you know, every detail, every, you know, character, every move figured out um, because, you know, the reality is you're going to edit it and revise it later anyway. So um, you're probably gonna have to change some things because some things don't make sense or it's not clear or it's, you know, not needed or, you know, I mean, people learn that along the way. Um, but, but I like that because I think it gives people some freedom that if they are more in the kind of organic 
realm you know you just have to have a, a line or two or just kind of to get i like how you, you said a writing yeah. prompt you know writing prompts yeah. a good good word you know kind of gets you going but you have freedom to use your brain and your creativity and your subconscious and just let it go have fun with it right um now the other thing i, I like you the way you're doing this is um I, I think there's something about it keeps you in the story so when you come back to it and you're kind of working it the story's staying fresh in your mind you know you're you've written this thing and then now you got to figure out, okay, is this what it needs to be or I need to tweak it? But, but you're, you're kind of keeping it in your mind so that when you come to the page again, whether that's the next day or a few days later or whatever um, it's, it's there, you're kind of in it because I think with a novel, especially it's really hard to keep this big thing <laughs> in your mind, right? You need help because you're like, I don't remember, you know, what happened there or what is the character or what color are their clothes or what, you know, you do have to make notes, right? You do have to kind of come back and go like, what did I actually write or what actually happened? Um, so you can kind of keep the story, you know, I call it keeping it hot, you know, keeping it, yeah, you know, alive. Right. Well, yeah, I do the same thing with characters. Like I make notes about my characters. The first time I describe them, I make notes about my characters and plotter and the way I do it. I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a tech nerd, so I have screens all over the place. So I, I usually have a uh, plotter open on one screen and Scrivener, which is what I write in the software I happen to write in. You don't have to write in Scrivener again. Nobody think that I'm like saying, this is the process. <laughs> this is my process, right? Um, so I have plotter open on one window, Scrivener open on the other. If I describe a character, I translate that description of those notes into plotter. So when I describe that character again, I can go back and make sure I don't have the brown eye, blue eye, or different colored hair or that type of thing going on. Um, that I basically have some kind of a trick or trigger to remember that so that I still stay in my writing zone, but I can still describe that without having to go back and reread chapter three. And then I go, oh, I described her in chapter three. Oh, she has blue eyes. Oh, this chapter sucks. I need to edit this chapter. And then suddenly I'm not in the story back in chapter five where I was anymore, right? I've stepped outside of it. Um, because I think it's really important in that first draft, first of all, to say, hey, I've written 30 novels. Um, more than 30 novels and my first drafts still suck and that's perfectly okay like you the more you give your freedom yourself the freedom to write a bad first draft the less you get writer's block and things like that because you just figure well whatever i'm just going to write stuff down because i'm going to revise it later um so you use plotter i use plotter as a tool to help me in that writing process later but also to help me stay present in the process i'm in right now um so i don't go outside of that i don't go search on google for this particular place and then go to the street view and go oh that looks like a neat building i wonder what the history of that building is and oh this guy visited that building i wonder what his biography is and suddenly i'm a wikipedia reddit quora and i'm 15 (laughs) degrees separated from my writing and my story and that's the the whole idea behind plotters. It's a tool that gets you to write. It's a writer's resource, right? And the key is writers. Yes, resource, but writers. We want you to write. That's the point. Yeah, and I I think there's a um, what I've been enjoying about it just as I've getting getting used to it and really newbie to it. But um, it, it's that's the end game, right? It's to actually get you writing. It's not to. <laughs> I think what happens is we get these software. We think, okay, here, where's the magic software that will, you know, write the novel for me, you know, but it's actually to kind of almost be in the background a little bit and say, Hey, this is kind of hidden. It's not supposed to be at the forefront and to get you going, to get you, get that novel finally done and get it organized and, and, and actually make it a really good story. Um, Now going back to the, what I really like about the visual, you mentioned a couple of times, the visual nature of, of plotter. 
Um, and this was kind of a, a switch for me was, I don't know who did it, but I kind of stole their idea, but they'd actually put like pictures of like the characters or someone that kind of represented them. Well, you know, you just, someone you have in your mind, like could be, you know, someone, you know, or it could just be a famous person or whatever. Um, but to have those visuals of like, you know, Bob, the character here really looks like Tom Hanks, you know, or looks like, you know, whoever, um, or this, you mentioned place, right. It just something about that visual. I don't know what it is, but it just kind of awakens your imagination you know it, it's an island in you know europe it's a you know ferris wheel like i wrote a story about a kind of a haunted ferris wheel thing you know this kind of creepy amusement park and it was this kind of run down shut down amusement park and i remember having that visual and it just really helped me kind of immerse myself in like what could this be and what you know um so talk a little bit about just the visual nature because there's there's so much i mean it is a visual piece of software but there's it's i mean you can use images you can use you know words you can use cards um i mean it's hard to describe obviously on a podcast but um as much as you can like when you open it up like what do you what are some of the things you kind of see so one thing is so i, I use the photos and stuff in the characters a couple different ways you know obviously i want a representation of that character some kind of a simple thing that i can look at that for me helps me describe that character even if it's if it's a minor character and i don't really care too much what they look like i'll use some of the weird ai things like this person does not exist or whatever and i'll make a picture and i'll just pick that and i'll be like okay that's that's my person for this minor character and i can still describe them i still see color of eyes all that kind of stuff but I don't need big details, right? Because they're not a main character. They're going to disappear. Maybe they're going to die in my particular case. I'm <laughs> notorious for killing characters that people like in mysteries. I'm like, I really like that guy. And I go, ah, that's too bad. Um, but anyway, so, um, but with places, what I do a lot is you can also add hyperlinks. So instead of searching Google for the street view of a place that I may be basing, I try to base my stuff on a lot of times on real places. I'll put drop the link to the Google Street View in that place in Plotter, and then I'll click on that, and it takes me right to that Street View. So I'm not tempted to go a million other places. I can just describe it, but I can actually move around, you know, with the Google thing and kind of see what that place looks like, describe it to my reader, and then go right back into my writing space. Um, but I so I use images a lot just to trigger my own brain, my own memory. Um, so I don't have to remember the things about that place. Instead, it's it's readily available. So I use a combination of words and photos for places and for characters, just because that helps me. Um, but I've seen people do all kinds of things. They base their character on what a movie star looks like, and they drop their IMDb link in there or, the, or a link to just a page with a bunch of their pictures on it. And then you can zoom over to that page, look at that character, describe them, and stay right back in your writing space which is really the idea exactly what you're talking about. Like this is in the background, right? Like once I've created the plotter file, um, because if you spend forever creating your plotter file, this is what I call plot crastination. Mm -hmm. um, you're putting off writing by plotting, which is not a bad activity, but at the same time, the point is at some point that plot is as done as it's going to be and it's time for you to write. Um, so I use those images as a place to put things. But then I also, I tend to arrange my scene cards on the plot lines, like in the timeline section, I tend to arrange them on a few different plot lines so I can actually see the shape of the story. Um, and I do things like I add a tag for the pace of that particular scene. And I try to be honest with myself 
when I'm done writing for the day and I tag that scene as slow, medium, or fast. And then if I'm in a revision process and I filter by that slow tag and I see I've got three slow scenes in a row, I'm like, idiot, I got to fix that, right? Um, I have to go back and, and change that because I can't have three slow scenes in a row in the middle of a mystery thriller. It's not going to work. My readers are going to be like, check out. Um, so I use all kinds of these little visual tricks that are, I mean, quite honestly, they're just mental tricks that work for me. So you can, and what I find is that you find your process. So people will say stuff like, I started with this st story structure and then, or I started with your idea of a process and then. And the most important part of that sentence is and then. How did you take this concept that we presented you with and make it your own? And, and that and then is the most important part of that. What do you do with it after you are presented with it? And how do you make it something that works for you? And that's what I like about it is I have developed a process that for me works for me. Works great for me. For some people, they see that process. They're like, I really like that. Other people see that process and go, I think something's wrong with you. I'm fine with either of those reactions because you, you'll find your own way. Um, again, you know, the three rules for writing a novel and nobody knows what they are. Absolutely true. It, it doesn't matter how many novels you've written. Nobody has it figured out 100%. And if you do, come see me because I'd love to figure out who in the heck you are. But anyway, so, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think if you're, you know, I mean, most people listen to this program will probably say, you know, big readers, you know, and it's like you read a lot of novels and nonfiction and you realize they're all so different that once you say this is the rule and then somebody breaks the rule, you know, I mean, yeah. there, there are a few, you know, I mean, I guess romance, supposedly you got to make sure they a couple ends up together at the end, you know, but I mean, other than that, it's like, I mean, there's, it's even than that there's rules can be broken and, you know, and I, I love watching films that kind of break those rules sometimes where it's not always that nice, neat, happy ending, you know, or that little twist at the end or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that's, I think that, that's a really good word, Troy, is just to like remind people, like there's no right or wrong way and plotters not saying this is the only way, um, which I think is a good segue into one of the, one of the tools that I love about plotter is the templates, um, the story templates. Um, because I think when I started, I didn't have any sense of like, I'd read a lot and you kind of subconsciously understand story, but to actually have different templates, um, to kind of jumpstart your writing, or like you said, you, you check your writing based on the template. So talk, talk us through a little bit about these templates. Cause there's a lot of them in there and there's no excuse for us not getting started or whatever genre, oh. we're writing in. but the templates are amazing. I, I really love them. Yeah. There are a whole bunch and there's everything from ones that are just those tentpole events, like the W plot method is seven events in your story. That's what you need to know to start seven in a 70,000 word novel. I think most people can handle that, right? That's not over planning at all. Or there are, you know, the story engineering, which is basically an architect formula for writing a novel. There's 40 different scene cards, all these different plot lines, everything's super hyper organized. If that's the way you want to go, and so the beauty of having all those that variety of templates is you find one that resonates with you and your story. And just because it resonates with one of your stories doesn't mean it's going to resonate with every story. There's always a different way of looking at things, a different way of doing things. Um, I've created one that's called The Sleuth's Journey. It's the hero's journey adapted for mysteries. Is it the perfect mystery formula? No, there's no such thing. 
It's one that I created that works for me. And people said, I really like that. Can I have it? And I said, sure, you can have it. But it's not the answer for every single, it's not even the answer for every single one of my mysteries. Like I still use other plot structures. The key I think is to understand that plot structures have more similarities than they do differences. You know, a three-act structure and a four-act structure. A four-act structure is a three-act structure with act two bit split in two pieces. Okay, it's what it is. I mean, it just is what it is. But what makes the difference is the terminology that's used in those plot structures and what resonates with you. Um, so I generally recommend, I'm like, if you go into the plotter ones, yes, read those, understand those, right? But then go to the source material, of like if you like story engineering or whatever then go to the story engine source material read that book and actually study that plot structure because what we're giving you in plotter is the highlights right but when you see what really resonates with you then go study that or go study a whole bunch of different types of plot structure just so you have kind of an innate sense of story take a story that you really really like and you think this story really works for me and dissect it using one of those plot structures and say, oh, that's why that works. And then you can apply that to your own fiction. Um, and the same thing applies if there's a story you absolutely hate, too. So I tell people, pull that apart and figure out why it didn't work. And then avoid that in your fiction. But the, So I use those story structures and those templates for all kinds of different things. But it's not... None of them are, are an iron-clad set of railroad tracks you have to follow. And that's what I like about it is people say, well, I started with this story template or this story structure, and then I modified it like this to fit my story. Perfect. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. This is a guideline and a tool um, to help you make sure you hit all the plot beats. Make sure you hit all the right points of a story that make it that interesting story. Like we talked about you know, when we were talking about discovery writing and just these drafts that turn into just a mass of events well that's because i had no structure i had no idea where it was going there was no midpoint there was no inciting incident there was really no climax you know the whole thing was just a mess right and that's those story structures help you check your work and decide do i have plot holes do i does this work is this actually a story and if it's actually a story it'll line up with something like it or it'll be close to lining up with something you know um, and you'll do that. Eventually, you'll do that more instinctually and your first drafts will get better. They won't ever get perfect. They won't. They're always going to have a certain level of crappiness, but they will get better and you'll get faster at writing them. Well, this is really good because I, I, I know you mentioned you do some mystery. I do some mystery, too, and thrillers and things. And one of the things I learned was trying to do that kind of pants, a, a mystery novel or a thriller is really difficult. Um because there's crimes that have been committed, there's details, you know, it's really hard to just do that kind of free flowing without kind of setting it up a little bit and, and not making it too obvious. Um, and so when I went back and I was looking at the, I think it was the, is it 12 point mystery? 12 step. Yeah. 12, yeah. Looking at that one, I go, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I needed was just 12 steps to make sure I'm hitting certain points and not making the crime so obvious and you know, bringing different characters in and out and making, you know, kind of the red herring and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really difficult to do it just off, you know, off the top of your head or just kind of winging it. Um, but, or you may want to come back and after you've kind of, you know, discovered it for a while, maybe come back and actually go, okay, does this work or not? And I, I like what you're saying about, 
it's not to, it, it's really to get you moving in the right direction, not to give us an excuse to not write, you know, it's to get you moving along. Right. Um, it gives you exactly. enough, enough to keep going. It's like, it's enough, you know, sustenance or tools or food to kind of like, okay, now I can go and, and go on the hike, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, not just well, some, mysteries. You know, yeah. So mysteries have a unique thing. And, and I, people ask me this all the time. They're going, Oh man, you dropped that clue in chapter one. How are you clever enough to know you needed to drop that clue? And I'm like, I wasn't, I went back and dropped that in the revision process. Just the reader never needs to know that. They think I'm super smart and super clever for coming up with that. I'm not. I'm no smarter than anybody else. I just went back and plopped it in later because I could look at the story structure and go, if there's no clues for that first part and no red herrings and no clues, then why is the reader going to keep reading? Well, they're not. So let's let's figure that out, right? So it is kind of interesting that you you can go back and go backwards a little bit and go, okay, Let's figure this out um, and use that in that revision process of mysteries, too. So it's great to know where you're going. There's certain things I need to know before I start. But, you know, even in that particular case, you can always go back and drop hints in the middle um, with any kind of a book that you're writing. And it works. And and readers will think that you're a genius. But all you're doing is relooking at the plot structure and the story structure after you're done and going, what am I missing and what do I need to throw in here? Mm-hmm. It works great. So what would you say to someone, uh, maybe this is even speaking to me, because I I think we're, as writers, we're really good at doing everything but writing. Um, So when it comes to, you know, research, like you're, you're mentioning, you know, you you research a place like, oh, this is really cool. And then four hours later, you're down the YouTube rabbit hole, the Wikipedia rabbit hole, the you've watched nine documentaries on, you know, whatever. um, And I haven't written one word. Uh, What would you say to someone, you know, to kind of do enough to get going, but not so much that you're just spending, like, you don't. I mean, obviously I imagine when you guys built out plotter, you weren't like, okay, this thing is so nobody does any writing. It's obviously, as we've been talking, it's no, that's the opposite. Um, yeah. You know, what has kind of been your experience with that? Like what, what, what's enough to kind of get going? Like, when do you kind of know, okay, I got enough here. Let's, let's get after it. Let's get that first draft, you know, going rather than you know another five hours on research. So for me, what I do is I, I do some general groundwork. And this is really hard. For, I'll confess that this is really hard for me. My background as a freelance writer is my first job was writing research reports for the EPA, for the federal government. And I'm a researcher by nature, and I love research. So when I get an opportunity to do research, boy, <laughs> howdy, you can bet you I'm off on a rabbit trail, right? right. Um, and I can go for days. Um, so I... I I just, what I do is I do some groundwork research. Like I say, for mystery, I need, the reason I need to know who did it and how they did it is I need to research that method. So I'm familiar enough with it that I can drop the right clues and hints throughout the book to at least get the first draft done. So if I come across something in my draft, I have to actually work at resisting doing research. But nano is actually great practice for this or any exercise where you're writing a first draft super fast, right? Um, when I get to a point like that where I know I need to research, I put in brackets a word or a series of words that indicates this. I need to do some more research here, but I'm not doing it right now. So I'll put in something like police code in this region for this call. Right. I want to be sure I get that accurately. But if I go down the rabbit hole of researching the Louisiana state police police codes, I know that there's going to be something in there that also leads me down another path 
and then I'm going to be in trouble, right? Then I'm not writing, I'm researching. So I'll just put in brackets, Louisiana police code for such and such. And then at the end, when I'm doing the revision process, I'm searching through my Word document initially for brackets. And I'm going, okay, now I can research that because I have the first draft down and I'm I'm ready. So there, there has to be, I. it's kind of like when you're plotting, you need enough to inspire you to write that day but not so much that your creativity feels restricted. And it's kind of the same thing with research. You need to know enough to write the book, but not so little that you can't put down the story because you don't, you can't get the story out because you don't know what's happening. So there's almost always a point in every one of my drafts where I have to do a little bit of research and I just kind of have to hold my back myself back, but I have to go out and do a little bit of something because I'm like, I don't quite understand this well enough to finish this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a really delicate balance. And part of it is just you as a researcher, and like me, somebody who loves to research, disciplining yourself to say, this is not the time. You can do more research later, research enough to finish the draft, go back for the rest later. Um, and I just put, I also put notes in Plotter. Like I'll put a note that says, you know, that has those brackets above it. And it tells me what I need to know about that. I just put in something, this is what I feel like I need to know about that. And then once I go through and resolve those, I just delete those notes as I resolve them. And then I, once they're all gone, then I know, well, I, I covered all the research that I thought I needed to do when I was writing the book, you know, that's really, that's really good. I think that's a helpful tip just to you know, figure out some way to kind of remind yourself or make a note to come back. Uh, and I think the the other challenge too, is just, you know, you don't want all your research in your book. It's, then it's just oh, no. a b- boring book, right? It's just, you know, Im- info dump and data and all that. And it's like, cause you get excited about it. Oh, look at all this cool stuff. And I got to put it all in there. But then everyone's like, Oh, this is terrible. Unless you're like Michael Crichton and you can pull it off. But, um, yeah. but you know, um, I, I just interviewed a guy who uh, he's doing a book on, or it's already out, but, uh, genetic enhancement. And he actually wrote it with a doctor and he just blatantly admitted, he's like, I didn't know anything about anything. And so the doctor would just kind of feed him information. And then he'd go write when he was really fresh in his mind and kind of write it as a novel. And then he'd go back and go, okay, is this right? Does this make sense? Is this accurate? You know? So you had someone to kind of check him, you know, cause you mentioned like, you know, police procedural, you know, details or gun details. Cause you know, I know for me, the audiences can be really, you know, that's not true. And that's, it would never happen yeah. like that. It's not you the know, way it works. Yeah, you learn so. that the hard way, you know, but yeah, if you have an expert or someone in your life that you can just go, Hey, I know a police officer, maybe I should ask them like, is, is this how that this would an investigation would work? Cause I don't think, cause most of us aren't experts in these things, right? We're just making it up, you know, or what we saw in, you know, law and order or something. Well, yeah, I have a friend of mine who's a forensic pathologist in New York City and he's been a coroner for like 30 years in New York City and Dade County and um, first of all the man has great stories I mean great stories <laughs> but also I mean I can check facts with him really quick it's like I'm like hey if this happened what would the coroner see that would tell them that this happened and I'll get half a page or a page back now what I really need out of his you know, maybe two page synopsis of what I asked him of the question is I need two sentences out of that, that the reader needs to know. Now me, I'm fascinated by it. People ask me questions about different methods of killing. And I'm like, boy, do I got some information for you, (laughs) but it doesn't, it doesn't always belong in our books. So that's, that's part of the key too, is knowing how much research to put in and how much research to keep for yourself. And 
So your broad knowledge of that should enable you to write a couple of sentences that make that feel real to your reader, even the ones that are an expert in that area. I mean, I recommend if you if you're like writing about guns and if you're the type of person who can like I I'm, I live in Idaho. I grew up with weapons. Right. I was in the military. So if I want to know how a particular weapon operates, I go find someone that has one and I go fire it. And I, I actually experience that for myself. And how difficult is it to aim? How easy it is for somebody who's an amateur to pick this up and fire it and actually be accurate right away. Um, and then your readers get that sense that you know exactly what you're talking about. And really what it is, is you went for a day to a gun range and fired something. Do you really know what you're doing? No, but you know enough to make it seem realistic to the reader. So. No, and, you know, and people, I think if you're listening to, you know, you're thinking about research is people love to talk about what they do. Like, I don't think oh, yeah. people, people underestimate that. I mean, we can Google. Yes, we can, you know, look up YouTube, all that, but people like your corner friend, I mean, it's probably the greatest part of his, I mean, people are probably like, I don't want, I don't a corner. That's kind of gross. Like, but you know, someone that genuinely has an interest, they'll talk your ear off. I mean, I, I, I had a friend who sat in the back of a police car. You can go on rides, ride alongs and see it, what they actually do just because he really wanted to, you know, experience kind of what they do, how they do it, you know, what they're looking for. And they just, they're talking them through stuff and they'll be happy to, you know, talk to you all day long about, because, you know, people, most people, you know, they go about their job and they're just like, nobody cares what I do. And, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't miss yeah, out I've on done, great stories. I've done ride-alongs. I have um, actually visited for one of my novels. The end of it was set in a prison. So I went and visited Supermax and like toured it and saw what it looked like. And then I saw some crazy dude, you know, kind of on the psych ward kind of wandering around these tables. I'm like, you just made it into my book. You'll never know. But <laughs> right, you did, right. you know. Um, but so, I mean, research can be really, really fun. I just advise you, like, when you're in that drafting process, if you can do research ahead of time or resist the urge and do research after, so you're not taking away from that drafting time, honestly, it can, it can make your life as a writer much easier. But I am all about going and getting that hands-on research and talking to experts whenever possible. Um, it's exactly like you say, people love to talk about their jobs. If you call somebody up, um, I mean, I know my county coroner, my friend who's the, who's the coroner in New York City. I know all kinds of people that if I need to know, like, what is this, what happens with a body under these circumstances, I can go find out. And probably in some cases it is gross. You find out more details than you necessarily wanted to know. But for you as a writer, it gives you a depth of that experience of writing what you know. Well, writing what you know is is kind of pretty boring unless you go learn some stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, just go learn some stuff. It's fun, first of all. Whatever your genre is, it's a blast to go learn about that. Sci-fi, go talk to an astronomer for, you'll probably talk to them for like 12 hours if you start a conversation. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're you know, it's important that you understand your subject matter in a way that your readers probably never will, but it doesn't matter. It gives you that background super su and super fun. Just yeah. have fun with it. Well, yeah, my wife's a, a nurse and uh, she used to work in the ER and, you know, doesn't, works in a different department now, but, you know, we used to watch the show ER together. And I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, she was just, it was kind of annoying actually, because she would be like, that's not true. That's not how that works, you know, but then a lot of it was accurate. A lot of it was, oh, yeah, that's right on that. That's really good. <laughs> you know, so it is, it's good to just have those people in your life. You know, my dad's a pilot. I've asked him about airplane stuff and, you know, all that. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. It is. Um, but like, you know, like you said, 
uh, is don't get lost in the research. Cause then, you know, it's every excuse to not write the book <laughs> and, you know, right. And, and, and I think you were hinting at too, like the, it's not the worst thing in the world to say, I don't fully understand this. So I'm going to actually give less information, not to pretend like I'm you know, rather than just totally fudge it and make it sound dumb. You know, you can just leave it out. It's fine. A sentence here or there is good enough. You don't have to bore them with, you know, all the, this is how this works. And this is, you know, um, and that's beauty of fiction too. It's, it's also made up. So, um, uh, well, uh, Troy, this has been fantastic. And, uh, one of the, the questions just as we get kind of towards the end, end of the interview is, um, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, tell us some, some good stories of like people that have used the software, um, have gotten good results from the software. Like what are some of the comments, some feedback that you've gotten that that's kind of helped writers? Uh, and I know that could be broad, but yeah, share, share a couple of stories for us. Oh man. So, um, I, I actually worked with a, a coaching client and he, I said, look, you need to use this software because he, he was working on kind of developing a story and stuff like that. And I'm like, if you, if you use the software, it's going to help both of us. First of all, it's going to help me help you develop your story. And it's going to help you understand your story better. And by the end of it, he said, first of all, he goes, now I wouldn't live without this. And he goes, second of all, you're the plot whisperer. He goes, I don't know how you like see these things. And I was like, the way I see them is I use a tool to see them. I'm not a genius. I'm not like, I'm just using a tool to see them. Um, we have, there's a guy named uh, Michael Enderley. He's a, a relatively well-known sci-fi writer. If you read sci-fi, you probably know who he is. And he, he used um, Excel spreadsheets and some other methods. And now he uses Plotter pretty exclusively for, especially for series, because the series Bible features, which we we hinted at a little bit with the, the characters and settings, are incredibly robust. So if you're someone who's like tried to keep track of all the things of a series in your head or in a notebook or in an Excel spreadsheet, blah, you know, all those things, um, it, it's something that's extremely valuable. Um, but we just had customer after customer say, this is like the answer. We had somebody that just recently that wrote into our um or they left a review somewhere and they basically said, look, I, I was using word anvil. It's just too complex. It's too big for me. Um, there's too much stuff there. Plotter was a simple answer. Right. And I think the, the biggest things I would say about Plotter is first of all, simplicity. And second of all, personalization, like you can use as little or as much of it as you want. Um, I, I we actually had one discovery writer who told me um, she's more of a, like she's really a true discovery writer. Like she is not going to, she's not going to create a plot line ever. It, it's just never going to happen for her. The only thing she uses plotter for is the characters and settings for a series Bible. Like she uses the, like this big robust software that can do all these things. She, she uses two features in it and that's all she needs. And so um, we just had some incredible success stories of people that have gone from like, I can't write this story to, now I have written this story, which for me is the most important success story. I, I love the stories of, I was trying to figure out the outline for the story and now I have an outline. But my favorite ones are the ones that go beyond that and say, I was trying to figure out how to outline this story and now I published a book. You know, and it that part of the process to me is like, that is the gold, that is the gold standard. And we, we I mean, I couldn't even, name the number of people uh, what i will tell you is we have a youtube channel 
And on it is this is a th- program called Thursdays with Troy. We really stretched for the name. It happened on Thursdays most <laughs> of the time. And it was interviews with a guy named Troy, um, who you may have met through this podcast. But anyway, um, and um, it's just me talking and interviewing with a bunch of writers about how they used Plotter. And so it gives, it not only gives those success stories, but it also gives people an idea of there's not one of those interviews that's the same. There's not one of them where the person says, I did it exactly like this other person does. Not one. Um, And I think that personalization and that flexibility and the simplicity of it are the most important selling points is really just this is something that you can use for your style of writing and adapt it however you want. So. No, and I, I can attest as I've started using it, it's, it's for anyone. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you need the, every, you know, moment of every story or you need just characters and, you know, to get going, whatever, whatever you need. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned the series Bible, because that for me has been a nightmare trying to keep that all straight with other programs is, you know, if you're doing like a series and most, a lot of people would do writing series is keep the character straight, keep the book straight. And then even it, it kind of inspires you to like, think through like, Hey, I want this to be more than one book. Now I have kind of some visuals where I can actually do it. And it, it kind of gets you excited about getting through this book to the next one to the next one. I love that part. Um, there's so much, so much in here um, just for <laughs> people to use. It's um, it's kind of ridiculous. And then I also want to brag about uh plotter too is, uh, your tutorials are fantastic. And so there's a ton of tutorials because I think, you know, like anyone, you get overwhelmed and right built in is all these great tutorials, how to use it. You know, if you want to use a ton of it, use a little bit of it um, are really well done. So I, I applaud you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, I, I tell people just start simple with the things that you need to get started right now. You can learn the advanced features later for now, open it up, create some chapters, create some plot lines and some scene cards and see where it goes. I mean, just start really simple with the most basic part of it. Cause that's what, that's how plotter started. When I started using it in 2017, that it was so simple. There was so little, the, the features we have now, a lot of them did not exist. Um, and that was fine. And so I'm like, you don't have to use everything. Just start simple and learn the complexity as you go, as you grow into the software and as you grow as a writer You'll find some things are useful to you, some things are not. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. It's it's your journey. Again, th- this story is your journey, just like your story is your story. This is your journey with whatever kind of tools and software that you're going to use to complete your manuscripts. And you're going to figure out your journey in the way that works best for you. And I do have to say one more thing because you keep making me, you know, remind me of things is because I think I've used other software as the export um, feature word yes. scrivener pretty much any software you use there's something you could export it into which i think for a lot of people that would be a you know uh would would scare them away but but the fact that you know it could pretty much be exported to any any software is so good because i yeah. I've, I've used other software and it's like you have to download it to this and do something on the dark web to make it work and you know it just yeah, becomes exactly. a, a headache so really yeah really and you easy. can customize you can customize that export you go down to the advanced export and you can choose what you want exported and where you want it to go mm-hmm. and i do that like i tell people this is exact I, I mean i'll walk people through the process this is exactly how i export my files this is why i do it that way but I've known lots of people that do it differently. And again, it's perfectly okay. So that customization of even the export um, allows you a lot of flexibility. And then now it's 
we have created where you can import from Scrivener as well. Mm -hmm. So once you've written your document in Scrivener, you can import it. Or if you're a dis pure discovery writer, you just wrote something in Scrivener and you've got 50,000, 60,000 words of bleh there. You can import the, you know, the major headings that you have of each scene into Plotter and then figure it out from there. See how it works. See if it doesn't work. So it's, there's all kinds of flexibility there. And so that export, that was a great thing for you to mention because it, it is super, super valuable. Yep. And, and offline too. So if you're, you know, you need to write in the woods, you know, and <laughs> you don't have access to the internet, you're still good. Um, yeah. Well, Troy, this has been so good and you've helped a lot of people today. Um, I love Plotter um, and I am going to champion Plotter as long as it's around uh, because I think what you've described, it's not just because it's a cool piece of software, which it is, but the whole goal and vision of it is to get people to write and to get those stories out in the world. Because I've you know been doing this a while and meet probably like you meet with a lot of friends and family and other people that are like, I just want to get my work out in the world and they just get stuck. But I think a tool like this really gets them inspired and gets them moving in the right direction and get that first work out in the world. Cause once that dam breaks, I think, you know, there's some, something happens when we kind of get that first thing done, whether we share it or not. Um, so I really appreciate you and all the time and the effort you've put into it. And uh, so what's uh, before we go, what's kind of next for plotter? What's next for you? And yeah, where can we find all this good stuff? Oh man. So, um, so next for plotter, we have all kinds of new features coming down. Um, and most of these, this is the other thing I, that I should tell tell you is that most of those are user suggestions. Like if you have an idea for plotter and you think that's a great feature we should, that plotter should have, uh, tell us, we'll put it on our roadmap and we'll make it happen. If it's something that other people really are resonating with other people, we'll make it happen. So we have some characters by book, um, some extra world building features that are coming in. We have, uh, the ability to add a chronological timeline for people who write historicals. So that's not necessarily the order that things happen in the book, but it's the order things happen in, in the chronological period you're writing in. Allows you to reference that really easily, again, to help speed up your writing process. Um, for me, I'm in the middle of Nano. Um, I'm writing the sequel to, I wrote a really funny book. Um, that's a romantic comedy under a pen name um, two years ago on a dare um, during Nano. Um, and the reason I wrote it was because I, I had created it for romance um, webinars with Plotter. And people said, if you wrote that book, I'd read it. And I'm like, I'm never writing that book. And then Nano came around. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I'm writing that book. Um, and it's turned out to be really successful. So I'm writing a, a sequel to it because um, during Nano, because it's just fun and it allows my views to play. Um, and so that's what's next for me. The next year will be coming out the sequel. I just released um, Teaching Moments this year, uh, which is the second in my Max Boucher um, series. And it's a basically a thriller about a serial killer who's also a school teacher, which is fantastic. And um, it's kind of written in a unique, uh, unique manner. And the sequel to that one called uh, called Compelled is coming out next year um, as well. So that's what's happening with me. Um, and you can find me at TroyLambertWrites.com. You can find Plotter at Plotter.com. Um, we also have a super active Facebook group. Um, so if you have questions about anything related to Plotter, you can do that. Um, you can always email support at Plotter.com. If they can't help you, we will find someone who can. Because, um, again, I don't write the code. I just write the words. But there are, the code writing people are there, too. And they can explain how all the stuff behind the scenes works. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's some great new features coming out for Plotter. Always looking out for those. We're releasing a bunch of new videos, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, 
And yeah, I'm just next week I'm headed to Vegas to 20 books, Vegas, and I'm going to do nano while I'm in the middle of a huge writing conference with 1900 people. So we'll see how that goes. I love it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Thank you, Troy. And, and people go get plotter. I mean, you open it up, you jump right in. It's not complicated to get started. That's what I love about it. It's like an Apple computer. Just open it up and it just goes. Um, And uh, so, and go check out Troy's work as well. And, uh, and all the best to you, Troy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You betcha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Greatly appreciated. Well, there you have it, my friends. Troy Lambert, Plotter Software. What a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate Troy's generosity of sharing just his his story, his experience, uh, sharing a lot about what Plotter does. And hopefully you've got a little taste of what it is. And it's super affordable, super worth, worth the investment if you're a writer of any kind and you want to get your work out in the world. Um, there's so many features and so many good things to really... Take that dream, take that idea, get it on the page uh, and be able to kind of move towards getting that first work done. Maybe it's your first work, maybe it's your second, maybe it's a series of books you're working on. You just needed a tool to kind of help you get it all together. And I think Plotter Software is going to be the, the future of how, of how this is done. And there's tons of templates and ways to just kind of get you get you going. And that, so there's no excuses. Um, and sometimes the we don't need technology to get us going, but sometimes it's a help. It's an aid. So, so don't minimize that. So thank you, Troy, for coming on the show. Go check out Plotter Software and, uh, and check out what Troy's doing. Also, he's writing a lot of books and doing a lot of cool stuff in the world. So my friends want to remind you, we have the newsletter, the daily nudge. You can sign up on the website, ryanjpubble.com and uh, get uh, a daily nudge, get uh, a newsletter with, with resources and links and, and encouragement for your life and for your art to keep us moving in the right direction. And the hundreds and hundreds of people that have joined the community have really enjoyed it. So hopefully it'll be a blessing to you and helpful to you. Also, if you want to share this podcast, this episode or this show with a friend, it really helps get the word out. Word of mouth is one of the best ways. And also leave a rating or review. And that gets us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, that gets us out of your bit. And so I really appreciate it. Appreciate you following along. Hopefully it's been helpful to you. Hopefully these conversations um, inspire you and encourage you to get your work out and get your art out into the world. That's what, what it's all about. And so before we go, my friends, I do have one important thing to say. Go make some great art. burning finance and investing questions answered here's a podcast you should be listening to courtesy of Acast recommends are you ready for some personality in your personal finances hi i'm Janice torres rodriguez latina money expert and host of the award-winning podcast yo quiero dinero on this show we're serving up poc friendly personal finance knowledge always with a side of sass we're not talking about avocado toast and lattes on this show. We've got real, relatable personal finance knowledge that makes you feel seen, heard, and finally understood. Consider me your super cool, slightly risque, but always honest financial fairy godmother. Together, we'll tackle dinero in a fresh new way so you can finally become poderosa with your dinero. Check out our weekly podcast episodes at YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>